Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is June 18th, and our reading comes from Acts chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1, here's what it says. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, so about 16 guards. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Well, that night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck Peter on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and the servant girl named Rhonda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overwhelmed with joy that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Well, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, let me in. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and he went to another place. Now, when I read this story, I just love it, right? What a beautiful story. But I want us to remember that we're reading a historical narrative. And one of the things that we have to be careful when we read a historical narrative is not to believe that it's prescriptive. In other words, just because it happened this way doesn't mean God is saying, I want it to happen that way every time, right? And I think we also have to be careful that when we read a historical narrative, we don't assume because God did it this way, he'll do it that way every time. It reminds me this week, I've been reading through the Old Testament again, and I just finished reading the Exodus story. And, and you know, there's that moment when Israel's about to cross the Red Sea, 
and God tells Moses to hold up your staff, right? And the, the water will part. Well, if I read that story and go, well, I guess that's how God works. I'll go grab me a stick and hold it up over the next river I find and see what happens. Well, just because God did it that way then certainly doesn't mean that's how God does it every time. And that's true for this story and really all the stories in the book of Acts because it's a historical narrative. Now, one of the questions I think that comes up when we read this story is, why did God let James die? And Peter live. And often when we suffer, we find ourselves asking the question, why? Well, sometimes our suffering is the result of our sin. Now, when I say sin, our tendency is to think of, you know, breaking a moral law, but at its root, sin is our independence. It's when we declare, God, I'm going to build my own kingdom without you. And when we try to build our own kingdom to make a life without God, often it creates a mess and leads to our pain. And God allows us to suffer. He allows us to experience pain. It's his discipline in our life because usually it's our pain that pushes us into Jesus. And as we connect with Jesus, he begins transforming our hearts it leads us into maturity. And as we move into maturity, guess what? It produces happiness in our life. We begin to experience a blessed, abundant life. In other words, let me say it this way. My obedience does not create a connection to Jesus, but my connection to Jesus does create obedience. And so God sometimes allows suffering to push us into Jesus, which produces obedience and produces a happy, blessed life. So sometimes God is working in our suffering to deepen our faith so that we can experience abundant life. But sometimes, sometimes our suffering is actually because we did what God asked us to do. In our story, James is martyred for preaching. Jesus. And even Peter, in this story, he's rescued by God from persecution. But later on in Peter's life, once again, for doing the right thing, for preaching Jesus, Peter is also martyred. He's crucified upside down. So we just have to be careful. We have to recognize that God is at work in our suffering either way to produce something good in our life. You say, well, what could possibly be good in our life from being martyred? Well, for James and later for Peter, and even for us, if we ever die for doing what's right, remember as believers, when we die, we instantly are with Jesus in paradise. Man, that's pretty good. I love how Paul says this. He says to die is actually gain. You know, for a believer, death is not the end. It's a promotion. We step into paradise, a better life with Jesus for all eternity. Now, here's another thing that I think is so interesting about this story. Is let's talk a little bit about prayer. Because I think sometimes when we think about prayer in church world, several things come to mind. Number one, I think we don't have a lot of faith in the power of prayer. And in our story, the prayers of the church lead to a great miracle. I love also sometimes when we think about praying, we think it's a formula. You know, we need to pray the right way. We need to say it with this volume and this 
pace and these special words. It's almost like we think prayer's magic. Abracadabra, bang. You know, if we say the right words and we tack Jesus' name on the end, then our prayers make a miracle. No, prayer's just conversation with God. And we need to communicate to God the way we would communicate to a friend. A third idea about prayer that I think is so important is we often think that the answers to our prayer depends on the quality or the strength of our faith. Well, in this story, none of those things are true, right? They're gathered together and they're praying, and apparently they're not sure how to pray, and they're not praying with a lot of faith. Now, the reason I know that is because when Peter shows up, when he's been released from jail, they're surprised, right? They, they weren't really expecting that. And what's so encouraging about prayer, gosh, it's so encouraging. Listen, the most important thing that happens in prayer is we connect with God and we learn to trust Him. But also what's so great about prayer is the Bible says, when I don't know how to pray, that the Holy Spirit is praying, interceding for me. Romans chapter 8. I love that, right? Because there's a lot of times I'm not sure how to pray. I also love that Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is making intercession for me every single day. So when I pray, in fact, when I don't pray, Jesus is interceding on my behalf. So what's encouraging about this is that the things I'm praying for, they're not dependent on saying the right words or the strength of my faith. They're dependent on the character and the plan, the wisdom of God. So I can trust him. Man, I hope this encourages you today. God is listening, and God is working in all of your circumstances to draw you near to Jesus so that He can transform your heart from the inside out and lead you into a blessed, abundant life. And in regard to prayer, it's a conversation. And God wants you to connect with Him, to communicate with Him and the things that you're praying for. Listen, the outcome's not dependent on you having the perfect words or having rock-solid faith. It's dependent on the goodness, the character, the wisdom of God, and we can trust Him. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person listening today. And God, I know some of the people listening today are suffering for some reason, and the truth is we don't always know why we suffer. But God, our suffering pushes us into Jesus, deepens our faith, produces new life and transformation and abundant life in our hearts. God, I pray that for every person. And Lord, I know we all have things that are on our heart and mind, people that we love who are going through difficulty that we're praying for, just like the church was praying for Peter. God, I'm so glad that It's not dependent on our magic words, having the perfect thing to say or saying it the right way. I'm so grateful that it's not dependent on the strength of my faith. I'm so glad that prayer rests on your character, your wisdom, your goodness, and we can trust you. Lord, help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope this encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.